Welcome to You Might Relate, a podcast where we take relationships and mental health to the next level. I am Stacy Heaps, a licensed clinical social worker, and I have been practicing therapy for the last 15 years. There are counseling concepts and stories that I am excited to share. When we know better, we do better. Together, let's get to a place of radical acceptance of where we are while improving relationships and tackling life's transitions, one therapy concept and one story at a time. So let's get started to see if you relate. Hello, friends. How is everyone doing? Gosh, I think it's about midterms for the kids right now in school and summer is approaching Are you the parent that gets excited for summer and to have the kids home? Or are you the parent that gets stressed out because now the time to have lunches and plenty of snacks and then more snacks after that and lots of entertaining will be falling on you when the kids are home this summer? Which parent are you? I am hoping for some really good movies to come out this summer. And speaking of movies... This is a good segue. In November 2021, there was a really good movie that came out, and I will give you a clue what it is. Here we go. Ready? We don't talk about Bruno, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. Do you recognize it? That's right. The movie is Encanto. If you don't have kids or you have not seen this movie, you should go see it. There will be a character in that movie that you will relate to. And I bring this movie up because someday soon, I promise I will be interviewing a family systems theory therapist and we will definitely go more into depth with it and with that theory and modality. It's actually, there's a psychiatrist, Dr. Murray Bowen, introduced family systems theory in the 1950s And there are concepts like triangulation, projection, differentiation of self, sibling position, emotional cutting off. I mean, there is so much of all of that of systems theory in this movie in Kanto. But the reason I bring it up is because of my own daughter's therapist gave her an assignment, which was to write down her, and I'm saying this in quotations, Bruno, which of course is a play on this musical Encanto. So let's back up a little bit and talk about Encanto for those of you guys who haven't seen it. Encanto is a Disney animated musical film that tells the story for the Madrigal family. And I hope I'm saying that right. And they live in a magical house called the Encanto. And it's located in this really small village in Colombia. The family's magical abilities protect the village for generations. And the magic starts to fade when the youngest member of the family, her name is Maribel, discovers a dark secret and it threatens to tear the family apart. And there we go, the song again. We don't talk about Bruno. It's about a family member named Bruno who was shrouded in secrecy and taboo. And the lyrics imply that Bruno has done something wrong or shameful and that the family just chooses to ignore it and not address it. The secrecy and denial have caused a rift in the family and have prevented them from confronting and resolving the issue. And so Encanto 
might just be one of the most heart-wrenching films to come out of Disney. I mean, there are some really catchy songs in there, but when you look past those catchy songs and the magical powers, you have a story about a family that always feels like they have to reach some kind of ideal. And the ideal is set by Abuela. And Abuela is the grandmother, the matriarch of the family. She creates this culture in their family. And if people do not behave in the way that they're supposed to, they feel like they're letting her down and the whole family down. And so every family member feels this pressure. There's Luisa, who she has to be strong and can't show weakness. And then there's Peppa, whose emotions are connected to the weather. And so she thinks that she can never show any negative feelings or else otherwise it's going to rain or something, right? And then, of course, Bruno. He saw the future, which irritated everyone because a lot of times it wasn't positive things that he was predicting. And so then when he would tell people, they thought that he was creating the unpleasantness instead of just predicting it. Anyway, so he ended up leaving. It's because Bruno's power went misunderstood. And since it wasn't seen as valuable or since it wasn't seen as valuable as other people's gifts, he was ostracized, really. But anyways, back to my daughter, her assignment was to write down her own Brunos, which would be the topics that she doesn't want to talk about or bring into light, even to herself. So it'd be something that, you know, she kind of keeps hidden about herself. And then she had to list Brunos that the family had. I honestly could not wait for her to tell me that our family was unique and that we didn't have any topics that were off limits and that our family doesn't keep secrets or we don't have any taboo topics because after all, I am a therapist and everything is totally fine to talk about and I'm approachable and open. Anyway, so she did end up telling me what her experience is of what she considers our family's Bruno. And I was really shocked actually because I thought that we had talked about this particular topic plenty. So my daughter's experience and my experience and perceptions are just different. She felt it was a taboo topic and I thought that we had addressed it. And I thought also that I had opened it up for us to address it as much as she needed. No one is right or wrong. It's just our perceptions. I have also seen the same dynamic working in the adoption world where there might be a child who's adopted and the child is kind of worried to talk about the relationship with the birth parents and how good it is or how nice it is to relate or have the same quirks because they don't want to hurt the adoptive parents, which is the parents' feelings. So that could be like a taboo topic. Yeah, I cannot talk about that topic in front of my parents. Or in a divorce situation, the kid might just know that they can never bring up the other parent or have more fun with the other parent or at least talk about it to the other parent because it's a taboo topic that would hurt the other person or there would be some negative consequence. And it doesn't have to be, you know, something like that. It could be even like a bad habit. I actually know of a family where the mom goes to counseling but tells her kids that she's somewhere else because she doesn't want her kids to know that she goes to counseling. You know, in my own family, 
growing up, I felt like a taboo topic was money or finances, that we just could never talk about that. When I was in college, especially the very beginning, I just struggled so much just trying to figure out what degree I wanted and paying for college and working. And I failed out of some of my classes and I felt like there might have been some judgment from my dad. And it could be real or perceived, that doesn't matter. But after he passed away, I found this letter that he received from the University of Utah that he was on probation at one point until he could get his grades up. And I was thinking, how nice would that have been for him? And maybe he didn't even remember that happened. That could be the case. But I'm just saying, how nice would that have been for him to show me or to bring that up and tell me that he had been in my same shoes before? And it would show that he doesn't have any shame about that and that you can get over the humps of life, you know? I just think that would have been really great for him to have told me that he experienced something similar to me and be vulnerable and take that time to really connect with me. Instead, it just didn't seem like a safe topic. I just had to do well in school. I just had to go through it. I know another family who has a family member that died of suicide. You know, they're a close family and the grandparents and aunts and uncles just never wanted to bring it up that this person had depression that this person ever needed any medication. There's still a question like, was it suicide? All things, if you were to dig in, all things point that it was suicide, but we don't talk about it. It's taboo, which leaves the rest of the extended family who also suffer with depression, anxiety, feeling worthless. Oh, I can't talk about those feelings or that topic is off limits or bad or there's something wrong with it. You can see how that limits connection and it limits understanding and it limits even getting through something because if we can't even talk about it, you know, how do we get through that? You know, other examples could be that you have a kid who is gay and you want them to stay in the closet. So it's a taboo topic for them ever to come out or someone is an alcoholic and you know what, I'm just going to ignore that. That's a taboo topic. Or someone has left the faith. This is a huge one. A lot of people who leave the faiths that I work with, the FLDS, Centennial, or LDS, or Jehovah's Witness, once you leave, no one asks you about it or talks about it. It's just taboo. I mean, there's a lot of taboo because we just don't know how to say it or how to talk about it, right? And we don't want to bring up difficult feelings for them. So if someone was abused, it might just be easier just to leave it there and not talk about it. Or if someone is struggling with any kind of mental health, it's just kept quiet under that rug. What is your Bruno? What's the thing that you don't even want to admit yourself? And then what is your nuclear family's Bruno? And nuclear family meaning the family that you grew up in, what is that family's Bruno? And then the family that you have now, what is that Bruno? And maybe your spouse has a different one than you, or maybe your kids think that something is taboo, but it's not, or it is taboo, but they don't think it is, vice versa. We have to remember that when we know a little, but don't know the entire story, 
our brains make it out to be worse than it really is. But when we talk things out, we can educate ourselves and educate each other. We are processing, we are organizing and putting things in their proper place in our minds. And if we are never allowed to talk about it, then we are uneducated. It's not processed. It feels more uncomfortable. It's unorganized and it's probably bigger and worse than we could ever imagine. In fact, have you ever heard the saying, that which we resist persists? Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not advocating sharing all the dirty laundry with everyone. I am advocating having open communication and relationships within your own families and everyone being able to show their humanness so that everyone feels normal and accepted, validated, understood, and that they belong. I'm going to take this movie and show you First of all, that it's a therapist's dream movie, especially as a systems theory therapist. But just how the matriarch, Abuela, maybe doesn't do things quite right. And maybe you can just see yourself in Abuela, like the reason why she does the things that she does. And just kind of open your eyes through this movie. We'll just use this movie as a teaching tool. So Abuela teaches the children to always make the family proud. So when she's showing Maribel the story of Encanto and how it was founded, and then when she goes to get her own power, Abuela says to her, make your family proud and use your power to strengthen the community. The words seem harmless at the time, but in reality, they're suggesting the weight of the family's expectations. She's projecting her own insecurities and desperation onto the children. And these expectations can become Brunos in our life. If we are projecting our own insecurities, or our own wants and desires on our children, that's not healthy. The next one is how she promotes an image of perfection. So you know, mistakes or inadequacies are always frowned upon. And Maribel is, of course, the perfect example. She fails to manifest a gift. And as a result, she's this constant target of Abuela's disapproval. And she's never just quite good enough despite her trying her best. You know, I don't know if you remember this part, but a lot of the townspeople, especially those kids, didn't know that Maribel didn't have a gift. Because it was kind of kept hush that she didn't have a gift, right? She wanted that image of perfection in her family. In what ways do you want that image of perfection in your family? Abuela lets one person take all the blame. So Peppa is encouraged by Abuela to control her emotions as they can cause significant disturbances as in the weather. But on her wedding day, Peppa loses her hold on her powers because of a misunderstanding with Bruno. And Peppa blames Bruno for the incident. And Abuela never reasons with her. She just lets Bruno take the blame. This would be in systems theory, scapegoating, when we make someone our scapegoat. Okay, Abuela puts too much pressure on Luisa. Okay, and that's another catchy song. I love this song. Maribel's older sister, Luisa, receives the gift 
of super strength. Because of this, she's expected to literally shoulder all the family burdens. And if she doesn't, she feels like there is no meaning in her life. And so she has this conversation with Maribel. Louisa confesses that she feels herself crumbling under all the pressure. And by her own admittance, it's partly because she takes on too many tasks. It's just too hard for her. Remember this? It's the catchiest song. Besides, we don't talk about Bruno. The pressure song is amazing. But Louisa literally is shouldering all the family burdens. And she feels like if she doesn't do it, there's no meaning in her life. But one day, Louisa, because Maribel bugs her about it, confesses that she is crumbling under all the pressure. And it's partly because she's taking on too many tasks. You know, there's another way that we can maybe expect other people in the family to take on too many tasks, or we expect that of ourselves, and that then we don't have meaning in our life unless we're doing so much or what we think our family expects of us or what we put on ourselves. That could be a Bruno even, right? Abuela fails to reassure her family and in a way, causes some self-doubt in their self-worth. So Antonio, he's the grandson. He's the youngest member of the family, and he is going to get his gift because they're going to do this ceremony. But he is really scared that he's going to turn out like Maribel and not be able to get his gift. But then the only person that he wants to reassure him is Maribel. He doesn't want to go to the door without her by his side. Maribel agrees to help him, but Abuela looks so upset and she disapproves of this. Instead of thanking Maribel, thank you so much for being there for Antonia, she is annoyed that he needs help and that Maribel is the one helping him. And how many of us maybe get annoyed that someone in our family needs help and we don't like the person that is helping them? And we're not the type of family that needs help. We don't need counseling. I'm not going to tell my kids that I get counseling. But then later on, oh my goodness, we need to know that it's okay to ask for help, right? Sometimes when someone in the family starts to be healthier, it is hard for the rest of the family to adjust. And this was true when after a conversation with Maribel, Isabella, so Isabella is the other sister, the flowery, beautiful sister. So she reveals that she was only going to marry the fiance for the family and that she finds happiness in creating plants that others might consider imperfect or not beautiful. Well, Abuela notices this change in Isabella's character and is furious. I mean, her demeanor insults Isabella's nature, suffocating her. And when Maribel attempts to protect her and explain, Abuela claims that Maribel is ruining the family because of her jealousy. Again, that would be scapegoating. Oh, that's so many things. Abuela encourages the secret of Bruno. Let's not talk about Bruno. Let's make him out to be the bad guy. There's a lot of scapegoating in here. And also just sibling placement, like Abuela has specific things that she wants all the kids to do. You know, she's projecting a lot. 
Anyway, she turns both Bruno and Maribel into black sheep. Bruno has a lot in common with Maribel. They are both the family's black sheep and scapegoats. Individuals in this situation, in real life situations, suffer from feelings of loneliness, depression, inadequacy, and it really can be psychologically damaging. So you want to watch and say, okay, who do we consider the black sheep of the family? What do we blame them for? And could we look at it in a different way? Because if you remember, or if you haven't watched, I'll tell you, Bruno and Maribel shouldn't have been the scapegoats in the family. They actually had these wonderful gifts that contributed to the family. Just no one noticed them as gifts. All right. The other thing that she does is she protects the family miracle instead of the individual. So the true core of Abuela's character really is her personal grief. And, you know, this is another thing we have to watch. What does our grief cause us to do? So when she and Maribel make amends, Abuela reveals the full context of her tragic tale. She probably hadn't even told Maribel the whole story yet. The loss of her husband, Pedro, scarred her so deeply that her grief created this family miracle and through it, the Encanto, she was never able to let go of that grief, which is why she so desperately forced her family to fall in line with her expectations because she didn't want the magic to go out. For a while, Abuela ignores Maribel when she is telling her she saw cracks in the house, but then she blames her for the cracks. So when Maribel finally confronts her grandmother about her actions, she points out that she has never been good enough for Abuela and that if the family magic is dying, it's because of Abuela. In the aftermath of that argument, the casita crumbles and the aconto is broken. And it is such a perfect analogy that the actual problem was labeled and now they can rebuild something real. Once Maribel was telling her why the house was cracking and it wasn't her, okay, now it's labeled and now it's crumbled and now we can rebuild. Abuela protected the family miracle instead of thinking about the individual she was hurting through her actions. She eventually understood what she was doing wrong, but we can all take a look at what we might be protecting at the expense of individuals in our families. So working with a lot of FLDS folks, it is so important, or it was so important for them to look like they were following Warren Jeffs. They had to go to all these meetings, listen to his tapes, marrying very young, giving money, having arranged marriages, wearing the right clothes, wearing the right color of clothes, doing the hair in the right way obeying all the commandments, and doing all that was oftentimes actually ignoring the individual needs of the children or the wife or the wives. And then I see this working with LDS, having an LGBTQ kid or a husband who doesn't fit the mold to be a leader or having a wife who would rather work than stay at home or a kid who doesn't want to go on a mission Are we worried about the Encanto and what it will look on the outside? Or can we consider the individuals? The perfectionism in both scenarios can then turn into a Bruno or multiple Brunos, right? The main problem with their family issues was resolved 
An abuela and Maribel even stated that they felt like the house they built suited them better because it was imperfect. And it was as imperfect as they were and yet still functional and full of love. And we can do that. We can kind of tear down these perfectionist houses, would just be ideologies really, and build up something that's more authentic and real and individually suited for our specific families. Now, I am sure if you were to watch this film, you can see yourself in one of the characters and you see your family members in their roles as well. Or you might just see different parts of yourself in all of the characters, especially poor Abuela. She got, I kind of gave her a hard time today. I pointed out all her mistakes, but we can all do all of those things. And the key is to not turn a blind eye to what we are doing. We can love and accept people, especially our family members, for their unique gifts and not require perfection. Think about who you feel more comfortable with. Do you feel more comfortable around people who are always perfect, do everything right, say the right things, never pick their nose, never fart? They're just perfect in all the ways. Do you comfortable around those people? Or are you more comfortable around people who make mistakes? and laugh at themselves and kind of make fun of themselves a little bit and don't take themselves too seriously. Who do you feel more comfortable with? It is no secret that families can be complicated. Each family has its own dynamic and each member has their own role to play. And this can be a really great source of strength, but it also can be a great source of stress if we're not careful or if we're not aware Most of the time, our families are a safe haven, a place where we can go to escape the outside world. But for some people, some families, there are secrets and lies and skeletons in the closet. There are big Brunos, and then there are little Brunos, which are like little taboo topics. Kind of like my dad's. He just never told me about him struggling through college. That would be a little Bruno. But they all have one thing in common. They cause anxiety and mistrust. Really? You were that perfect in college? Really? You never had any. You just got straight A's all through college. You're never going to tell me anything, any mistakes that you made. (laughs) Right? It can lead to anxiety, mistrust, and lead to mental health issues, depression, anxiety, and can have a negative impact on the overall health of the family unit, the entire unit. And it can lead family members feeling like they can never show their authentic and true selves because our family looks like this, right? Louisa had to be strong. Isabella had to make the perfect flowers. We have to be this thing because if we're not, then we're going to be punished and we're going to be sent away like Bruno or we're going to feel like going away like Bruno. So it's better to just not be authentic. But then is that even really a good relationship? In the case of the Madrigal family, the secret surrounding Bruno caused the family to lose touch with their magic and connection to each other. It is only when they confronted the truth, acknowledged their feelings, were they able to come together and heal. You know, family secrets can lead to difficulties in diagnosing too. When you send your kid in and and they say, oh, well, I can't talk about that. It's kind of a secret with our family. It's really hard to diagnose, right? And then doing family therapy is just, it's impossible unless we can kind of talk about the things that are bothering everyone. So without open dialogue, families can miss out on important diagnosis treatment and doing that can miss out on 
you know, a good quality of life. How do we cope with your Bruno or your family's Bruno? Well, bringing up hard topics with family can be difficult and vulnerable, but remember, we can do hard things. And it could also lead to increased understanding, acceptance, and love. So here are some tips. Number one, start with yourself. Before bringing up a hard topic, and I don't care if it's a big Bruno or a little Bruno, take some time by yourself to reflect your own feelings and experiences about that Bruno. Write it down or go talk to a therapist first. Check in to see if there is any shame from your end, any embarrassment. And this will help you approach the conversation with greater clarity and self-awareness. Number two, find the right time and place. Never just bombard someone. Hey, I want to talk to you about this particular thing. Do you have time on Friday? Choose a time and place where you and your family members can have an uninterrupted conversation. Make sure everyone is calm and in a receptive state of mind. No one is tired, no one is hungry, and no one is stressed. Those are the three things that will make the conversation not go well. Number three, be clear and direct. Avoid beating around the bush or sugarcoating. When you bring up the topic, use I statements. Remember, no one can make you feel a certain way. You are choosing. I know that's a weird thing, but you are choosing to feel that way. So you can't say you make me feel. You can say I feel this. And it's okay. Own it. Own how you feel. We don't want to shut the person down by blaming them. You make me feel this. We want to open it up. So when you say, I feel, people tend to stay open. Number four, listen actively. When your family members respond, listen and try to understand their perspective. Avoid interrupting or dismissing their feelings. Don't ever say, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Instead, say, I am so glad you're telling me how you feel. I had no idea. And that leads us right into number five, which is validate emotions. Acknowledge and validate your family members' emotions, even if you don't agree with their perspective. This will help reduce shame and increase acceptance. And again, I am so glad you're telling me how you feel. I was unaware of that. Number six, focus on the present. While it is important and you have to do it, acknowledging the past and saying you're sorry or talking about the past, it's also important to just focus on the present and the future and discuss how the family secret has impacted everyone involved, but what steps can be taken to move forward. So don't skip acknowledging or apologizing. You don't want to skip over it. That's very important. But once you've had a chance to share your feelings about the past, now what are we going to do going forward? So in maybe a sexual abuse scenario where This is a common one, and I here we go. I'm going to bring up a taboo topic. Let's say there is a early teen, like a 12 or 13 year old, who sexually experiments or is curious about a little sister or something like that. And the little sister has been through some things now because of that experience. Well, we can't just ignore that, and families tend to just especially the parents, you know, they love both kids and they're just hoping that their daughter will forgive and forget. Well, the daughter can't forgive and forget until brother has acknowledged what he has done, apologized, recognizes all the impact that it has had on her life. And then she gets to decide how things should be going forward, right? I've seen some beautiful stories when this has taken place. The brother, you know, 
hey, I am so sorry. I've just been wondering how you've been doing. I remember that this happened when we were really young and I just want to make sure that you're okay and, and acknowledge that happened. And I am so, so sorry. So that has to happen. And that then, okay, how are we going to move forward, right? Okay, number seven, after the conversation, follow up a few days later to check in and see how they are feeling. Have you ever heard of having a vulnerability hangover? It is when you share so much that then you're just wiped out or you have a regret for sharing. So if someone shares something with you really big and emotional, make sure you check in the next day and say, hey, I know that you just shared something with me and that has to have been on your mind the last couple of days and I'm just checking in to make sure you're okay. So you want to do that and also just give them reassurance and love and support and that will go a long way with connection. And number eight, seek professional help if necessary. The conversation can be emotional and difficult to handle and Sometimes it's just really hard to navigate the conversation and navigate just moving it along and keeping it positive. And so a therapist is a really good place to be. It's a safe space for everyone involved and for everyone to work through their emotions. And if there needs to be a pause or needs to be a break, the therapist is a good professional to be able to do that for you. So those are my eight tips on how to handle your Bruno or someone else's Bruno. Listen, family secrets can have a huge impact or family Brunos can have a huge impact on a family, causing stress, fear, and anxiety for those affected. And it is important for families to be aware of the potential negative impact that families can have on mental health of family members and future generations. I'm telling you, solve it now. Don't wait generations, okay? Brene Brown says this, where shame exists, empathy is almost always absent. And where perfectionism exists, shame is always lurking. Perfectionism is externally driven by a simple but potentially all-consuming question, what will people think? Abuela really wanted to keep her self-image in the village in Colombia, that things were magical and perfect at the casita, at the Encanto. However, perfectionism and the need to look that good always increases the odds that we will experience painful emotions, which leads to self-blame or feeling we're not good enough or that we're not good enough for our family. And then that can create isolation and the whole thing, right? So this week... Let loose. Be curious with yourself about your Brunos. Be curious with your kids. Be curious with your spouse. Have everyone write down what is a topic that you feel like we can't talk about? What's the taboo theme? That would be such a great thing to do with your families. And how interesting would those answers be? And remember, you're not going to be defensive. You are totally going to take it and listen and try to understand. And like with my daughter, I was completely shocked. And I was like, well, I am so glad that you were telling me this because I need to do a lot better job at making sure that you know that definitely we can talk about that. That is not a Bruno that I want in our house. Anyways, whatever that Bruno is, I want you to think about why that Bruno is there. What is it protecting? 
Is it protecting your image? Is it protecting how you think your family should be? Is it protecting you so you don't have to feel uncomfortable? Now, remember, I always say this, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Uncomfortableness is how we grow and being uncomfortable never killed anyone. So it's okay to be uncomfortable, but be vulnerable. Watch the connection happen. I am so excited for you and just let all those Brunos out. All right, have a wonderful day and I will catch you next time. Thank you for joining me today on You Might Relate. I hope this topic brought understanding and insight. And if you can relate to something in today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at You Might Relate Podcast. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. The more understanding we create, the better we are as humans. You are in charge of your day, so go make it a good one. Catch you next time.